0: Hey, everyone. Daniel from Sun on the Window. I thought I already edited this episode uh, before we took a an extended uh, break, which is announced near the end of this episode. Turns out I didn't do it. So here it is as a Christmas bonus treat. Uh, episode 135, Guess I'm Doing Fine. We'll be back very soon for our Christmas special that you'll hear in the next couple of days if you're listening to this live. And if not, hopefully we're in 2022. We plan to pick up right where this left off. We're going to leave you in suspense at the end of the episode. We'll pick the next track uh, that that we're going to be cover or tracks as it turns out. So we'll see you then and enjoy. Guess I'm doing Alright, seriously so crowd. I'm here today once again coming to you live from the barn in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I'm on the other line with Kelly in Portland, Oregon at in the Podcast Closet. Kelly, how are you doing this fine summer day?
1: Uh, swell. The other line. What's the main line if this is the other line? I'm on the other line. What does that mean?
0: You're on the other line. Yeah, I know what's <laughs> I, Hey. What a 90s yes, what a 90s reference on the other line. We don't have lines anymore. What's a line? I don't know. I guess we do. If you call, if someone were to call me, the president True. was to, to call yeah. me right now, I would go to the other yeah. line.
1: Right? Yeah. Well, call, it's a call waiting thing, right? Like you could technically have two phone lines and that was certainly a thing at the height of like, especially for internet. We had two phone lines briefly because we needed one dedicated for our, our internet, right? So there could be another line, but it's, I think it's typically when people have call waiting situation, right? So like somebody's, you're already on the phone, someone's calling in. I'm imagining Jerry Seinfeld for some reason. He's on the other line, I've <laughs> got on the other line. Got to click back in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's what that is.
0: Amazing. Well, this is not a podcast about a 90s telephone technology. It's not a,
1: a podcast. That's a real word. Telephone,
0: te- telephony, telephony, telephone. right? Or telephony. i you 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 hear both. Yeah. Um, this is not about that, Kelly. This is a podcast about a certain someone by the name of Bob Dylan. We spend an entire week listening to a, a random or a picked, whatever, a random song by Bob Dylan, and we get together at the end of the week and we talk about it. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the maximum megabyte storage capacity of the Sky of SkyQuest Technologies 1995 Easy Drive, its 3.5-inch removable platter hard disk right. drive that was roundly defeated very quickly by the Zip Drive. Right. And roundly defeated by everybody a little bit younger than us, not even knowing what a
1: disc drive <laughs> is.
0: And this week, we well, listened to, to Guess I'm Doing Fine from 1964. We're not
1: that far. We haven't had 206. How many episodes have we done of friends I once didn't know, but I still got my voice left. I can take it anywhere
0: I go. So
1: I guess
0: I'm doing fine. Anyways, Kelly, we spent the week listening to a song, a minor song by Bob Dylan called "Guess I'm Doing Fine." I'm just going to say the context before I ask you how it, how you thought of it, because there's almost nothing to talk mm. about. Uh, this song is right smack dab in between the end of Bob Dylan recording Times They Are Changing in October 1963 and Bob Dylan going in to another side of Bob Dylan in June of 1964. We have him writing a lot of amazing songs during this period, including "Times of Freedom, Mr. Tambourine Man, everything that was to come on another side of Bob Dylan. And we just left him with a lot of great songs from Times They Are Changing. And we get this weird middle of the road song. That he recorded in January of 1964. It's his last Whitmark demo to be recorded at the old Whitmark studio in New York City. He would only record one more time with Whitmark. And I think that was with uh, Mr. Tambourine Man, a weird version of that. That came a couple of months from here. So for all intents and purposes, this is like the end of the Whitmark demo era. And it's uh, we watched the music video. That was a promo for the Bootleg series volume nine, the Whitmark demos, which is where this is. A part of that Bootleg series. Um he recorded Guess I'm doing fine with another song he has already released, Baby Let Me Follow You Down, which is an Eric Von Schmidt song that he recorded for his first record. So with all that being said, he's only played he's never played this live. It's only right here as a demo for other artists that nobody except for one person really took him up on. Uh Kelly, how did you feel this week with this song?
1: It's been nice to hear some early sixties stuff against it's been a while I feel like since we've gotten yeah. a song like this. But it it's good. I mean it's solid. Bob and a guitar. Um and he's playing really well. The the tempo changes, I noticed almost immediately. He starts pretty slow and by the end he's pretty uh intense and, and speeds up quite a bit. But it's also a technically kinda hard guitar part. I mean for his kind of career playing the guitar, like when when it's just him he he does some technical stuff in in the early days, for sure. Uh, I feel like when he has a whole band behind him, he, he did piano, like, whatever. Bob can play the guitar, and he's been playing it for a billion years, and he's good at it. But, like, it's really cool, always is to, to get back to these beginning, like, this earlier stuff, because I was just like, oh, maybe I'll try to learn this guitar part, you know, 10 minutes before we started recording, because that's what I do. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of hard, because he does that, like, bouncing bass line thing and he's playing some weird chords plus the sure. the strumming yeah like this would be a good song for me to learn because somebody who's trying to learn guitar this is kind of difficult but i don't play guitar anymore so i don't have to worry about it anyway i like the song <laughs> did you like the song
0: <laughs> well yeah it's it, it's a jarring uh juxtaposition kelly because yeah you would normally pick up your guitar and you'd play but
1: i don't play guitar we got anymore.
0: nothing it's <laughs> It's like life has intruded upon your guitar uh-huh. playing. Well, I hope that the guitar comes back into Vogue yeah, too. <laughs> at some point. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, I noticed that too. It's a very cool uh, guitar line. I enjoyed it. This song is pretty, it's just kind of there and I'm not mad about it. I don't, it's not good, great. It's not bad. It's, it's just kind of there. So let's, before we get into the song and try to talk about it, let's talk about the music video, um, which is unfortunately like a lot of Bob Dylan stuff that he doesn't actually have that many great music videos. They are genuinely just promos for stuff. And that's kind of where we're at from here going forward. This would have come out around 2010 or whatever, whenever uh, the volume nine came out. What did you, do you have any thoughts, feelings on the music video itself?
1: So I was trying to pay attention because like, uh, I'm supposed to do that, but also it's I know it's just like weird archival footage, but I noticed immediately that they this random footage is from Hibbing. It's from Hibbing, Minnesota. That's where Bob's yeah. from. And I was like, oh, cool. They had like black and white footage from stuff going on there. And I'm not saying it's him, but there's a little nerdlet playing the bass drum in that marching band who looks shocking like one Mr. Robert Zimmerman. I know it's not him. He's got glasses and everything, but but it's... There was a good. It was a good like little fake out for a second. It was like, what the fuck? That makes you think. Yeah.
0: You're like, oh,
1: okay. But I thought that was a nice touch that they like found random black and white footage from Hibbing, Minnesota. It was some baseball game and some yeah. little band. That was cute.
0: And well and they tried also to do like the when he's talking about his childhood, hear some childhood yeah, stuff. Right. I also appreciated that. I
1: tried to follow the flow of the song a little bit. A little bit. And then uh the hat, obviously. I forgot all about his his hat moment, so that was nice. Huckleberry,
0: you're, Finn you're hat, never yeah,
1: gonna yeah. get rid of the hat either. What what does she say, Cynthia Gooding? Right, that's her name. She was like, "You're never Cynthia gonna Gooding, something, yeah. and you're never gonna stop wearing the hat." And we're just like, oh, oh, oh. "Ah, children, um, <laughs> children." And then like it cuts to the well, it's a minute shorter. They cut out two verses of the song. They cut out the trouble, oh trouble verse, and the have never had no armies verse. Um, yeah. But when they, I think it's when they did the kicked and whipped and trampled on one, they show a picture. Is that Stalin? Is it like st- video of Stalin and then video of mm-hmm. Castro, and then video of JFK? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. What and is, civil rights protests? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: What does it mean?
0: Yeah. I know. It's, it's, well, there, it's also anachronistic. Like JFK, K- Castro, they're all close, but like Stalin died in fifty three. So like yeah, what the f- Bob was only nine years old when he died, <laughs> or no, he was th- well thirteen. But you know, it's like. What what are we doing here? I don't so, think
1: he was right petting yeah, that this part, song I, when, when that happened.
0: No. Well, and also, like, the archival footage, I think, is, you know, it, it's, like, Pretty Sarah. It's supposed to make us feel something. You know, remember Pretty Sarah? It was all, like, based on a carnival or whatever. And we just saw these old-timey, you know, footage of people just back in the 50s and stuff. I think it's just supposed to make you feel something. It's kind of cheap, you know, because it's like, I've been kicked around and the world's crazy. And it's like, here, stop. Yeah. here's stop. Here's... You know, and it's also Bob Dylan's pension. I mean, just from rough and Routy Way is like, I mean, I hope to at some point talk about, you know, songs later where he brings up Karl Marx and stuff and like imagines them in hell. It's like weird, anachronistic things that make no sense, like historically or anything. He uses generals that make no sense. So Bob Dylan's been doing this his whole life. He's just kind of like taking stuff, putting it here. And I feel like with this, he's just like, eh, just pull out some old footage, whatever.
1: Yeah, well, the thing that. That's most confusing for me about this, this Stalin and Castro thing. It's like, you cut out the verse that that would make the most sense for it for me. Like, the Trouble O oh, Trouble one, it's like, the whole verse is yeah. saying, there's a lot of crazy shit going on in the world. Like, that would make right. more sense. It would, like, I don't know. That was just a strange choice to remove that verse and then have, like, fucking shit from, I don't know, whatever. But uh, the only other thing I have to say about the video is that I forgot that he <laughs> doesn't cut his strings, and they stress me out. Oh, like he doesn't well, cut the ends off his strings that, from the tuning yeah. pegs and just like, uh so many people do that. They just leave them. And I'm just like, uh, you have to cut them off. I don't like it.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think with the solemn thing, too, just because I thought about it, we've talked a little bit about, you know, time compressing on itself. It's almost like 53, you know, 59, 63. None of it matters. It's all just old timey. Mm-hmm. Boom. So like the solemn thing is like you can get pedantic or you have a kid watching it today. Stalin was around like it's all the same you know there's here's the USSR Mm. here's Castro he's so communist boom there we are you know it all just kind of flows right right into itself so that's the only other thing I could think but yeah the photos I thought were really cool and effective this trick is going to run out pretty quickly but you know they used a lot of photos from great photographers uh John Cohen is on there Douglas Gilbert Daniel Kramer Don Hunstein all of those I picked out just their photos but amongst all of them is just a ton of of random, you know, good stuff, but I don't know how many I had never seen before. So there's also that too, where it's, you know, Bob Dylan It's like, you got the archives upon archives, my dude, let's get some original stuff. You don't need to show us Stalin. I mean, I get it, but like, why not show us more shots of you young, you know, cause there's a lot that
1: there's a whole performance that, that was joke. filmed because he's that, that he's not playing that song during like there, there mm. are, there is video. Of him. We'll watch that. Oh, okay, soon. cool.
0: We'll watch that soon.
1: Okay. Uh, did you happen to – now, you usually do this work pretty diligently on another podcast. That is not this one. Um, did you freeze frame the mm. typewriter and figure out what it said?
0: Uh, I looked at it. I I don't – no, I didn't look at it.
1: Okay. So I did not transcribe it because I'm lazy, but I did write down the stuff that was in all caps because the, there was a few lines that you could read that were in all caps. And right. I think – i was curious if like this makes it into a song because i feel like a lot of this might because i don't know from what little i know he tends to write a whole bunch of shit down and then pick and choose some stuff and then turn it into a song so the things that were in all caps that i could read was i wish i was jane mansfield and Mm. then some other words but the next thing is i'd order me a leprechaun some other words i wish i was a diplomat other words i'd burn my office off the earth
0: yeah um No, if I were going to guess, it's probably just either stream of consciousness stuff. The diplomat is going to show up later in like a rolling stone. So, you know, he talked about 20 pages of vomit that created like a rolling stone. Uh, This could be part of that 20 pages of vomit. It's a little bit early um, just based on when that is, which I believe is at Joan Baez's house in California. As far as I know, that would have been 64. So a little bit early. But I mean, it's only 65 when he's doing it. So who knows when he wrote all of that? So, I mean, I guess we do know, but we don't. Whatever. I don't know. Kelly is the short answer right there. Um, if I were going to guess, it's just some of the phrases would have shown up. But no, mm-hmm. I don't recognize that straight up because okay. I'm a bad Bob Dylan fan That's and a right. bad um, screenshotter. I mean, I saw it. I looked at it and it was great. It like did zoom right in on it. And then I was like,
1: it's a lot of text. I was like, I'm not writing this shit down. But
0: and that's what he does. You know, you watch him and don't look back. You watch him and all that. He's literally just sitting there typing away. And everybody's got a story of that where he would just walk away while they're having a party and he would just go start typing. And that's the Whitmark demo. The, 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 The cover photo for that is, I think, a Douglas Gilbert one of him sitting at a table writing on that fucking typewriter. And that was kind of that was his jam back in the day. So. Very cool, though. The video was cool. The photos were yeah. great. They're evocative of a of a certain time period. And luckily, the song matches that vibe because it feels like you got that younger Dylan voice. You've got Dylan just playing guitar by himself. So it feels good. You're only really looking at Dylan. That feels good, too. It's a very contained piece. So I like that. The song itself, however, I do just want to get into a bit and just kind of talk about sort of how general it is, but also... If there's anything else to be found, mainly just on my own thoughts about Bob Dylan writing this song and it getting buried away amongst the two, you know, pretty landmark albums. And then you've got this right here and a lot of people bring that up. You know, this song is right in between times, Arrow are changing and another side of Bob Dylan. It's a song that like a lot of songs during this period gets lost. We're going to listen to him play at the town hall in New York where he's performing in between these albums as well in April of 1963 Uh, which is actually before times he's performing songs like eight songs that never, they get recorded, but they don't show up on albums. You can listen to something like that, which I'm surprised isn't a bootleg in and of itself because there's so many great performances on it. And what I feel like the only way to really understand a song like this is that Bob Dylan at this point was kind of like a sponge. He was just recording every single thought that he had, just like writing on that typewriter. He's overwhelmed With creativity, is that the best way to put it? I don't know. There's so much... Prolific.
1: He's being very prolific.
0: Prolific, but prolific can sometimes be bad. It's everything he's doing is just really good. I mean, it's he's prolific. (laughs) He's incredibly creative. Just, I mean, in terms of songwriting, it's not just about derivatively making a lot of stuff. Everything that he's doing is very different, very... I don't know. It's, it's it's bending American music into a different way while it's happening. And this song doesn't do that at all. It is in between the great songs like "Chimes of Freedom," "Mr. Tambourine Man." Those songs are about to be written. And then before this was like Restless Farewell," "Percy Song," "One Too Many Mornings." Great songs there. And then you have this little tiny little tiny banger right here, where he just you know played <laughs> it. No one no one covered it. We have one cover on our playlist and. That's all I've ever heard of it. You know, it's completely disappears. And maybe the best way to think about it is that he, with the Whitmark people owning him going in there playing songs, he luckily enough, we just get to hear it because there's probably tons of songs from that era that he just never got a chance to record. But I think that he was just playing anything that came to his mind and you never know what's going to stick. And so it's cool that we have it, but I understand why this is not on an album or anything like that. Although there's a lot of other songs from this era that I don't understand why. They got nixed from albums, you know, and that's a very much a Bob Dylan trope. But this one feels very minor and um, it never showed up on an album, never, never played live either. And that's probably for the best. So. Trouble, The the Do you think that this song works because it is generic? Like you can, everybody's got troubles. Everyone's got childhood friends they don't see anymore. You know, like all, all of the, all these verses like. Oh, totally. Okay.
1: This song is like crazy accessible, right? Especially yeah. when Bob Dylan gets, can get so esoteric or whatever. But yeah, this is definitely a pretty straightforward pop song in that anybody can relate to it the court like the song is repetitive in that it's like the verses have the same refrain it, we don't get like a chorus chorus per se but the hey i guess i'm doing you know hey so i guess i'm doing fine happens at the end of every verse uh the chord structure is the same throughout like it's it's really easy to grab on so yeah accessible i would say that that's why this is totally inoffensive this is an inoffensive straightforward pop song but it's an acoustic Song, well, you
0: know? I wouldn't I wouldn't actually say completely inoffensive. Um Let's just go verse by verse really quick and just kind of throw it out there. The childhood is what opens us up with. Well, I ain't got no childhood uh, friends that I once knew. I think everybody kind of understands that. I mean, my whole thing this whole time for me, this this whole year that we've been recording this has been some not really the childhood part, but just. I've been away and exploring my family again to my um, delight and my utter dismay. So it's one of those things, too, where you're kind of, I don't know, you. everybody's got to pass. Everyone's got childhood friends and stuff. And you do pass them by. You know, I go back to Virginia and it's like there are some people I want to see and some people I have, I don't want to see. You know, my whole time time moves on. And I think it speaks to Bob Dylan, too, where time moved on and he stopped relying on Minnesota at this point. Uh, after 1963, he would go back for big events or funerals or to play shows. But his friends that he was with back then that he would go, we have lots of, you know, bootleg recordings of them playing with him, you know, hanging out though that time is over. So in a way this kind of takes on another aura for Bob Dylan because he is saying, you know, I- I'm, I'm done. Like I'm done with my childhood and here I go from here, but Hey, I'm doing fine. It's Okay. And then the uh, two lines that the one that talks about money and the other one that talks about having no armies, I think that that's also cool. I mean, just from Bob Dylan's point of view, it's kind of like he's sort of modest in his means saying, you know, I'm not a famous pop star. I'm just like everyone else. But he also might we can look at it and say, oh, Albert Grossman's also stealing all his money. So he might actually not have any money. Um, and do you remember walking down the line, episode 63? There's a line no. that. um my money comes and goes, it rolls and flows, it rolls and flows oh, okay. through the holes in the pockets of my clothes, Lord, I'm walking yes. down the line. Yep. Okay. So that's another one from just a little bit before this. But I don't know, just the money thing, you know, vibe. That's what I'm saying. This
1: is also him being like, I'm not a sellout, man. I don't have a lot of money, but at least I never compromised my morals to get my shit
0: across. <laughs> and then probably my favorite, well, one of my favorites in there uh, is the trouble. Exactly what you were saying. They cut it out in trouble. Oh, trouble. I've got trouble on my mind. But the trouble in the world, Lord, is much bigger than mine. And for Bob, I think we could say Susie broke up with him, which he will then write a song that's the most like juvenile, pissy, sad boy song you will ever hear uh, called Ballad in Plain D about how he's actually not over her, he's not doing fine. So we'll maybe revisit his guess. <laughs> I'm doing fine, uh, but the world was also changing just just after he finished um, recording. Times they are changing during that last session in October. He finished most of the record in the summer. But multiple countries gained independence from colonial rule in 1963. Vatican II is changing Catholicism at that time. So that's happening in the world as well. Vietnam is a powder keg about to explode. Um, the civil rights movement is going crazy. The, the freedom summer is 1963. Bob Dylan is singing songs. He's at the March on Washington. Med- Medgar Evers is murdered, and he writes a song about that on "Times They Are Changing." You know, JFK is talking about this as a moral issue. The world is changing in 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 his midst, and of course, JFK is also assassinated in 1963, which I which adds a weird amount of like dissonance to this too, with the whole like the world's changing implying that, you know, this world event, which is JFK being murdered, we're only two months from then Hmm. and he's, you know, doing the guess I'm doing just fine, which I mean is 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 kind of weird. But then it's also like you have to move on. Right. Um, So I found that interesting when you think about like what's happening around Dylan as he sings. Well, I guess I'm doing fine. Maybe we all are. I don't know. It seems like he's got a gun to his head. Oh, you think so? I mean, or like a big jug of whiskey next to him or something. And it's like, I guess I'm doing fine. I
1: took it a little more optimistically where it's like sometimes things that, that really might not be that big of a deal, it's nice to have a little bit of perspective. Like you don't want to go too far in that direction because you can certainly get like this... Uh, vicarious misery thing going on, right? Because we constantly are assaulted with world news. Yeah. And shit is bad, don't get me wrong, but there's only, like, there's, you only have so much empathy and almost, like, so much emotional bandwidth to deal with that kind of stuff. So I think that a little bit of, like, man, my uh my car got a dent in it, or something, you're like, yeah, well, yeah, this is that. If you're using it in a positive way to, like, kind of calm yourself down from being too neurotic, good. But if it's, like, you're... Yeah. If something truly tragic happens to you, like a, a loved one dies or something fucking terrible happens, you lose a limb or something, yeah. right? You, you, well, oh, I mean, like, cause there's a lot, that's all I'm saying. There, like there's a level perspective is good, but you, yeah, yeah. You know, perspective can also be terrible. So like the Hank Williams song on our, our playlist, right? Like that dude's got, those yeah. things are fucked up and that guy's like, hey, whatever, it's fine. So he's gone a little too far in this way. This, I'm taking this first from Bob Dylan song as like something stupid happened. Like, oh man, I broke my guitar or whatever. Um, but it's okay. You know, there's a lot of bad shit happening in the world. That's all right. So I took it a lot more optimistically and charitably.
0: Uh then we move on to the next the next verse, which is uh I've been kicked I've been kicked and whipped and trampled on. I've been shot at just like you. But as long as the world keeps it turning, I just keep on turning too. Um not offensive at all, but I mean, Bob, what are we talking about? You've been you've been fifty cented like people would be shooting at you? What's going on here? <laughs> Um, this was another moment where I'm just like, Bob's like, I'm just like you. I'm cool. Like, I don't know. Is it cause it follows the, the previous verse. So it's almost like he doesn't say anything about what's happening in 63, but is this sort of saying like, I've, I, I understand your pain and the feeling like of the world and I'm with you sort of, I'm just thinking about it in terms of like civil rights or things like that. You're hmm. saying, you know, oh, I yeah. am here too. And I'm with you essentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely how I interpreted it as like some kind of ally thing although i don't know that they would have called it that at the
0: time yeah i'm you know Maybe. i think different 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 word but i mean definitely the same idea You're right and then i enjoyed the last verse probably more than any um is uh and it's uh well my road might be rocky the stones might cut my face but as some folks ain't got no road at all they gotta stand in the same old place hey hey i guess i'm doing just fine i think that this is what makes it for me a great like a good song, a song that I would love to come back to and listen to. Um, I just like the idea that you're going to get hurt and you just kind of keep going. And I don't know. It's it, it's also evocative, like the stones coming up and cutting your face is a interesting way to put it.
1: Uh, I don't understand how the the stones from the road are hitting his face. Everybody must are get someone, stoned. Is someone hur- hurling them?
0: Is he on a bicycle? Wait, I, I you imagine on a bike. Maybe he fell did down. he fall down. Yeah. Is there a truck in front of him that's, you know, like, um you know, spewing out the rocks? Maybe oh, the truck sure. is life. And you're trying to avoid and hitting them in the face. I don't know. It
1: sounds good. But when you try to dissect it literally, I'm like, how is it? I don't know what's happening. But yeah, obviously the idea of like some people never get to leave. Some people never get to leave their, their shitty hometown their whatever dire situation. They don't get to leave. But at least I have a road so I can get out even if that road is
0: painful. Well, and and again, even if it's yeah, painful or whatever, it's just like leaving your friends and family and shit like that and that's a thing that again, I think we we both empathize empathize with because we've done it. So, it's something that I think a lot of people do and you got to get away to know what who you are and what you want to do in the world. So, if this song is even one of those things where I don't know, and then it's also like uh, complacency, you know, cuz you can be just fine staying where you're at forever, but you you know, you'll also be fine if you leave. Like you'll just be fine. Wherever you are, if you want to be fine, so you know I don't know it's pretty cool. I love the site Haiku Dylan we've brought it up multiple times, but the haikus on his on his page um are just are as are his commentary on his page are just as good as his haikus and he jokes about the song being a quote perpetually irritating happy-go-lucky wandering folk singer is is our main character which <laughs> i thought was funny and it really lines up with that hank Williams song that we'll talk about in a second um but he he lines up essentially what the what this folk singer is saying which is no childhood no friends but i have a voice no money but i'm still around trouble on my mind but other people have more trouble um, than I do no armies, but I have one good friend. People have kicked me, whipped me, trampled on me and shot me, but I'm alive. Rocky road stones in my face, but at least I have a road. Um, and I think that's that's about it. You know, that's the song in a in a fucking nutshell. Does this song work in 2021?
1: Sure. Yeah, I guess just in that general idea of it could be worse. Like as long as you just to reiterate what I already said, as long as you don't take that to an extreme yeah, where you're like actively ignoring real harm in your life yeah uh it's yeah i i think that sentiment is good like and still absolutely woven into a a myriad of songs right just like things could be worse my life is totally okay i mean usually it's people singing about my life is amazing but i'm okay with like yeah my life is fine my life is fine it's fine
0: yeah, as long as you yeah. don't take it as a threat and it's like, you know, it can get worse and, like, you better be happy with being fine. Otherwise, it'll be terrible. Yeah, there you can go up, you can have better days, and you can have worse days. It's going to happen, you know? But it's nice to maybe level it out and feel fine.
1: Musically, since it's just a guitar, you could really interpret it super easily Like and, and hold true to it. All you have to do is, like, keep the chord progression and you can do whatever you want to it. And yeah, I guess you don't even have to do that. Well, you could change the key or whatever, but, like, yeah, I think lyrically... It's totally trans. You can transpose it to today and musically because there's just a little bit of it and it's uh, not any kind of wacky electronic, anything that's aged poorly. Right. Of course. Of course. It can work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think a guitar, obviously guitar Bob is always going to be timeless. And yeah, the song is fine for me. People talking about this as being as good as Chimes of Freedom or Mr. Tambourine Man is ludicrous and I do not stand for it. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is not a careless song. And I do appreciate that about this era, too. I mean, he's written tons of just like very generic stuff at all points of his career from his young days to Empire Burlesque days to, to today. I mean, there are songs that are just really vapid and the lyrics are very, very simple. And this it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel, even though it's a simple song, it doesn't feel careless. And I, I appreciate that a lot, um, even though sometimes it, it you can trick yourself into thinking it is. Or, it, you know, it is pretty lightweight, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Um, I don't think it warrants that much attention, and I think that's why it makes this episode a lot shorter. And I don't know what we would really have to say without the video. The video was really nice, too. I, I thought that that informed a lot of kind of the way I was trying to see and approach what Bob Dylan thought about the song, too, with bringing history in and bringing what was going on, making that a a part of the song was an interesting way to think about it because, you know, you don't have to think about it. You can just generically say times are hard. And it's like, yeah, times are always hard. But I mean, you would just yeah. you but it's nice because you can place upon that wherever you are, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, the song is cool. Listen to it on the on the Whitmark demos. But I don't think that it it doesn't tell us anything about what came before or what comes after. This is just a song by itself standing alone my crop it rotted in the ground i asked for another loan but the banker turned me down but we're still a living and we're praying for a better day so after all everything's in pretty good shape kelly we are a real podcast with hopes and dreams and feelings and emotions oh Wow. we've we're coming to life. We're we're almost in okay. kindergarten. This podcast is growing up, Kelly. And if you want to oh. keep track of our of our progressions in our in our lives as five-year-old as a five-year-old podcast. This is a really bad analogy, but you can go and follow us intermittently on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the places that you love. If you want to pay for our education and our clothing and stuff like that, then you can oh, wow. you can give us a dollar on Patreon and we'll shout you out. you'll support an episode and we'll love you for it. and that's just true. Um, maybe when we learn how to write <laughs> when the podcast gets skills with the pen, we'll write you a letter and we'll say hello, thank you and big crayon letters um, nice. at some point, you know Does this is all work for everybody. We have a website sotwpod.com. you can also go there. It's just a website. And you can follow us on Spotify. You know, we have a playlist. Uh, See that my playlist is kept clean if you want to see live wherever we are in real time. Or you can go to SOTWpod.com and find every playlist that we have, including big ones for all of our seasons and all that kind of stuff. Lots of fun stuff out there in the world. Kelly, we had a really interesting playlist this week. How did you feel about our playlist?
1: I thought it was good. In short, under an hour. Good for with a good, good amount
0: of songs and i did take a couple of, all of them off which we will get to um but welcome back to the playlist our playlist world only three only wow, three lots of new ones repeats which is great so hank williams uh six times with everything's okay
1: i wonder if bob had this in mind at all i mean he takes from everything and he's heard so many different classic folk songs and this i this is the like Obviously, primary blues idea, just like the hardship song, right? Like, that's it's not anything new, even Hank Williams, I'm sure. But I thought that it was it for one, it's really fun and easy, it's short, and it's just like upbeat for being so fucked up. Uh, and two, it really throws into stark contrast of what kind of I was saying. Like, Bob's song is like, yeah, things could be worse, and I'm okay. Like, legitimately, I am okay. Whereas Hank Williams is living in a fucking nightmare world, and he's like, "I'm fine, I'm fine." You really like Bob's just chilling, walking down the street. Hank Williams is in the corner crying, rocking back and forth, saying he's fine. Yep. It's just like totally different yeah. vibes. But I don't know, it's really it's cool to hear an older song. It, it run me a lot of the. When he three stuff because sometimes he would do that too, where he's talking about some pretty dark shit, but it's got a nice bouncy folk tune, so you're just like, ah, oh, this is, is this okay? Are we yeah, okay? This
0: is great. Oh, he's everything's okay. He's doing awesome. Great.
1: It's hard to beat the genuine desperation kind of moment, and I right. like that Bob didn't force that. He didn't pretend that his life was Hank Williams' life, right? Like this is more true to him, and that's why I think it's it's colored that way, where it's like, yeah, I'm generally okay, versus Hank Williams who's just like. Totally not okay.
0: And the Luke the Drifter thing is, is also, was an influential thing for Bob because it was a character thing as well sure. where you can stylize and make things a lot more dramatic and darker and stuff where you can, you can feel a sense of like, yeah, I'll disassociate a bit from this person, um, which which was something I know Bob Dylan like oh, does totally. and appreciates a lot. Beck for f- the fifth time, Guess I'm Doing Fine, which is a pretty obvious one to put on there, which is a great song. And the Beatles for the 13th time with I Feel Fine. Did you ever listen to Sea Change back in the day? That was a huge thing back in
1: 2002. Uh, I've heard. So, Beck, I've tried to go back and listen to because he should be somebody that I like. He's one of those people like uh, Bowie or Prince where it's He's like really highly lauded uh, awarded like Grammys like he's a well-respected artist yeah. and I appreciate some of the stuff he does. But I just like don't love all of it. Right. Um, so, I mean, I've obviously heard all the big stuff i've heard some stuff from sea change we've had some other songs from sea change on our our playlist we have And i like this song like i i want to i want to give them a shot just like i've you know gone back and listened to bowie's stuff and one day i'll try to listen to prince's stuff i mean i've tried a couple of times but it's just like yeah. ugh, so much of it i have to just skip on through so it's like i would really have to sit and do it so i could just like not for me skip skip but usually i just like put a playlist on and i'm walking around and i don't have the time to reach in my pocket and press skip you know what i mean like it's it's a heart out there it's really hard out there. So the question of have I listened to Sea Change? No. All the way through? No. Have I listened to some Beck? Yes, kind of. Am I into Beck? Mm, probably not. Uh
0: Welcome to a lot of people. And I'll just kind of shout them in if you want to add commentary, please do, because there's a lot of fun ones here. Animal House, I'm OK. Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, Love, Guess Who?
1: That's the first one for them? Really? Wow.
0: That's the first one for them? Yeah, yeah. Uh Chick, Chick, Chick. Which are the three exclamation points. Fine, fine, fine. VHS Ghost, I'm fine. I
1: feel like I must have listened to this person before. There's certainly someone that would be in my, my orbit, but I I can't say that I'm familiar off the bat. Oh, no, they're really small. Really, really small. Huh. I'm thinking of East Ghost, I think, is who I'm confusing this with. But similar vibes.
0: Catholic Action, doing well. Never heard of Catholic Action. Kelly, that was No uh, idea, nice, but nice, great. Uh, of course, yeah, the Mighty Mighty Bostones. Someday, I suppose, excellent. Oh, I mean, what, a, what a good ah, one. That felt so good to have I know!
1: The Boston's. are great. What a great guitar line. I'm going to have to learn that. And,
0: uh, hold Tight, I guess this is Fucking Up from The Blizzard of 96. Great stuff. And Modern Baseball. Round out our pop-punk corner uh, with Fine Great from, I think, 2016? Their Their last album. The only cover I could find... I guess I'm doing fine Is a man named Hamilton camp that I've never heard of before, really? but I thought he did a pretty good job.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of surprised because if you, if you dip into his artist profile, he clearly has made a bit of a career off of covering uh, Bob Dylan. That's kind of his hang. He seems to be answering the question. What if Bob Dylan was a classically good singer? And that's pretty nice. Like if you ever wanted to hear, I shall be released sung by someone who's a classically good singer. There you go. Like Which
0: I don't know why you would. I think that that sounds terrible. Listen to Bob
1: uh, I gotta say. <laughs> I, I, I kind of prefer. I mean, the album itself is called Paths of Victory. Oh, no, Isn't Kelly. Palms of Victory a, a Bob Dylan? No, Paths right? of
0: Victory. No, Paths paths of Victory oh, is well, the song. Oh, there you go. There Palms you go. of Victory is what he covered. Only
1: a me. hobo. Yeah, this entire thing is probably Bob Dylan stuff. Girl from the North Country, Ruby at Walking Down the Line. So
0: many people have made a career on Bob Dylan's back. Including oh, yeah. Well, Hamilton the
1: birds, Cat. I mean, the birds are obviously the most famous Well, But ones,
0: they like, have they, this... all their stuff. Like, I mean, I'm talking like this guy, I wonder what else he's done. Oh, yeah. Sure. Has he?
1: I don't know. But I got to say, the guitar is tight, like, and his voice is great. I'm not mad at it. Not mad
0: at it. He died in 2005. I'm on his Wikipedia. It's quite long. He's, he's hanging out here. Hmm. Um, Hmm. right before his 71st birthday. That's sad. He has, oh, he's on a lot of films. Oh, he's a big film guy. Is he an actor? Yeah. Oh, he's just like a big voiceover guy. Apparently at the end. I mean,
1: he is like. Dude, he's on
0: Darkwing Duck. He was on Tailspin. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Dick Tracy, let's go. Paddington Bear. Little Mermaid. Oh, he's a part of additional voices. I don't know what that means. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was Weasel. I don't know who Weasel is. He's in Aladdin. He's in a lot of stuff. I wonder how much you could make doing this. He's on like 100,000 things. Oh,
1: my God. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a voice actor more than anything. Uh, That's like the dream.
0: Wow. Anyways, the deep dive on Hamilton Camp. I've never heard of him. So let's just say that. Yeah, if you love covers. I mean, there's so many people that love covers of Bob Dylan. My grandma would say the same. Uh, A couple more. Nick Early, guesstimate.
1: Oh, yeah. I was just trying to think of words like... Guess I'm doing fine. I'm like, okay, so guess, hypothesize, okay, what else do we got? And that's why I was like, suppose, I suppose, I guess, I suppose. You see what I did? I'm so clever.
0: Oh, I did see. This time <laughs> I understood completely. A band called Playing God, Hypothesize, ah, which was
1: So good. Awesome. So good. Very strong Strawberry Girls vibe, which is an all-instrumental uh, guitar rock kind of minus the Berry, but no vocals uh, band. Although sometimes I have a guest vocal that I was like super into for a minute once we had them on the playlist uh, last year, maybe. But yeah, same kind of thing. Great, great stuff. Great. All instrumental guitar great rock. Great stuff. I'm totally here for that.
0: And then an artist called Young Ping Lu is, oh, is what, that I what I translate that? Okay. to. And the song is I'm Fine. And the album is like a weird long title about playing guitar, classic guitar playing or something. There's only so many listeners on Spotify. And it's weird because it's like three of them are in Japan and then it's Sioux Falls. South Dakota and I'm like oh that's me that's going to throw that person <laughs> off hardcore <laughs> You're like, why is there someone in Sioux Falls and then one for
1: Portland Oregon it's going to be there too Portland.
0: exactly which is crazy so that was really cool and another kind of instrumental you know sort of playing Oh, guitar, beautiful technical beautiful acoustic stuff.
1: guitar playing like really really nice
0: yeah and I think the whole thing is is that and then we have to close with uh, really great stuff Shaquille O'Neal
1: okay. uh,
0: I'm Outstanding
1: have you did you ever did you know this existed
0: Yes. I, oh, I knew Shaq Fu and... Oh, yeah, Shaq Diesel. I mean, absolutely, I knew that those two
1: really? existed. I had no idea this existed. You
0: didn't and, even know he like, was a rapper?
1: No. Oh, Kelly, what?
0: Yeah, I did I know. I had no
1: I idea. Yeah. I I went into, like, a mini shame spiral right before we recorded, because I was like, okay, my experience with athletes or people who are not musicians doing music is generally terrible. Like, see my condemnation of Bruce Willis from another episode ago. Right. I, like... And the other thing I can think of was, like, the Bears—was it the Bears defensive line from, like, 80s or whatever? All of
0: them. The the, whole—all of the Bears did the Super Super Bowl shuffle, yeah.
1: Right, yes. That's, like, immediately what comes to mind when I'm, like, athletes doing music. Corny.
0: Corny shit, yeah.
1: Terrible. This is so good. This is so unironically good, I was, like, blown the fuck away. I could not believe— that I was ready for him to just like be mumble talking. Yo, I'm here doing raps with my friend. Like you know, cl- classic yeah. like bad for me. Sorry, sorry. All 80s rap, but like classic Run DMC. That like we've got a very specific rhyme scheme. We all talk like this. So I was yeah. ready for that to be that, and I was just like, oh my god, this is so fucking good. And then I was like, fucking five dog, what is happening? So I like I went into a little bit. So yeah, Shaq Diesel, 1993. Ooh fucking the the fushnikins fushnikins i had no idea who the fuck they were so they basically oh, uh, I, don't know I think what that it's is. yeah so i think that's how you say it. i again embarrassed embarrassed because i i feel like i have a little bit of awareness of early 90s hip hop because i'm very much a fan of a lot yeah. of stuff so i was shocked that i've never heard of this group before um so they're like like the spiritual predecessors of of or not predecessors what's the thing that comes after The thing after, like, Day of Soul, um, they're, like, really... Tribe Called Quest adjacent, clearly, like, Fife Dog shows up on a a couple of their things. But, yeah, Foo, Schnickens, it's a made-up thing. So, Foo is supposed to mean community. Schnickens is a made-up thing, that that word that means, like, togetherness. But it's these three guys, of course, I don't know their names, but they, like, had two albums in the very early 90s. They formed in 88. And it's so fucking good, the way that they're, like, spitting their lyrics super-duper fast and, like, comically sometimes, like... It's you've definitely heard this style of stuff before, but I've never heard that. It's like kind of like Thinkable Planet. It's kind of like all that stuff. But like, yeah. I've never heard of these. Not on my radar not at all. Remember. Like the Shaq stuff aside. I mean, the there's a couple of songs on that Shaq Diesel album that have two million listens. The What's Up Doc, I think, is. Yeah, that's the one that Five Dog's on or one of the ones that Five Dog's on. Because he's also on I'm Outstanding.
0: Well, you, I mean, you got to watch the videos, shit. too. They're hilarious. I mean, it's such a, a time capsule of. He was, I mean, he was the biggest athlete in the world. I mean, physically, but also like for that moment, he's drafted on, I think 92 from LSU. And he was huge, but later on, he would hold it against Kobe, Allen Iverson, Penny Hardaway, his own teammate uh, on the Orlando magic for releasing raps that he thought were lesser. And he actually has something to back it up with.
1: I had no idea. I had no idea. That was a thing. Yeah. So I've heard the, the, like, words Shaq Fu before but i thought it was just like yeah. like something uh, some, from like
0: kazam a, or something yeah
1: um uh, maybe oh no i thought more it was just like somebody said that like sub sports announcer was like wow look at his plague that's Shaq Fu for you baby you know like where it's uh what's the portland thing rip city like something dumb that like not whatever somebody just off the cuff said about <laughs> him and it just became this thing that followed him i didn't realize that there was sure. an album but looking at that Shaq Fu album fucking rizz is on it <laughs> and like yeah there's a whole bunch of different, st- But anyway, Shaq Why Diesel. wouldn't you?
0: I mean, you're going to get paid. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're going to get paid.
1: What a legitimately great fucking early 90s hip hop album. I am floored. And I am so stoked that I got to find out about uh, Fushnickens because of this. I like, holy shit. I never knew. D-
0: are you going to listen to all of Shaq? Or are you going down a Shaq deep dive here? or?
1: I don't know. Maybe I will. I'm more excited about the food okay. chickens because there's only there's only two albums and they had a couple other singles They just kind of disappeared.
0: I've been kicked in, whipped and trampled on. I've been shot at just like you. I've been kicked and whipped and
1: trampled on. I've been shot at just like you. But as long as.
0: Anyways, playlist was great. Go listen to playlist SOTW dot com or see that my playlist is kept clean on Spotify. Kelly, we were also people in the world this last week or so. What were you doing that you think people of this podcast would enjoy hearing about?
1: Oh my god, I've done so many things and I've just forgotten them all. Mostly I'm just awesome. working on this oh, trailer. Got the floor awesome. put in. I don't have I have no time to do anything. I don't play guitar. I don't know. I don't remember when I consume media, but I apparently have been. But yeah, so you know, okay. Uh, a couple of music stuff. Not really. Cause I don't listen to music either. I don't play music. I don't listen to music. I don't even know why we do a podcast. You
0: were say. listening to riot girl stuff. You were listening to punk rock. I saw you listening to dead Kennedys. <laughs> you were rocking That's some true. stuff. So yeah. don't fucking lie. Uh,
1: yeah. So Slater Kenny did do um, a takeover of Spotify's riot girl playlist. So it's basically like supposedly they curated the playlist for whatever time that they did. It was just a way to put on a couple yeah. other songs from their newest album. And um, do some stuff. I think there was a couple of really big, uh, Gaps in the Riot Girl playlist, but it was an overall like if you've never heard anything, and then and try to incorporate newer stuff. Uh, there was a fucking dude on there. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, and then like some people from twenty eighteen and stuff. Did you
0: know things. that they played at Sawvi Island this last week? What they like? There was a there was a well, no, it was like a concert for just like out at Savi Island just like a little minimal like bring your blankets and sit around concert and they had a special guest and the special guest was Slater Kinney who played for I think they only played like four songs but it was their first concert since the pandemic so What the fuck Yeah, yeah. so they but they had a full band I mean it was them plus like drummer bassist and another guitarist like there were like six people on stage so yeah. Yeah. So I think you could probably find it online. I mean I'm sure people recorded.
1: Whatever. It, so. I wouldn't have win anyway. Sabi so yeah, Island's a nightmare to get to. It's we one so of our last shows, having.
0: Kelly, was Slater Kenny, so Yeah. We we're fine. We survived.
1: I've seen them twice. It's fine, whatever. Okay, so Yes. <laughs> what what else to do? Oh yeah. I was listening to Dead Kenny just because like sometimes you forget the Dead Kenny's exist and you're like, I just want to listen to some great punk rock. What can I listen to? It's like, Oh my god, fucking Dead Kenny's. I've been listening to God as an astronaut, which I talked about a couple episodes yeah. ago that I was going to actually listen to their discography and I did. And it's great. There's a couple of parts that get a little cheesy because sometimes like there's like straight up just piano elements sometimes. And I can get like lean a little saccharine sometimes. So it doesn't totally fit because it's like, you know, atmospheric guitar melty kind of stuff so it's, it's a little jarring when that comes in but for the most part yeah fantastic i, I mean i've recommended a local band um uh, collective subconscious before and it's, it's very similar to that it's very similar to a lot of uh guitar atmospheric stuff but it's really really good really really good there's elements of like tool in it that i can see nine inch nails like there's a a lot of things that i like that are in this band and i'm just really surprised that i never checked them out before so god is an astronaut excellent uh and then speaking of nice. Portland local bands. Friend of the pod, Calvin. Uh his band Purification. Oh, yeah. Whoa. So Chronoclops is yeah. no more. Unfortunately, they got Yoko Ono, and Ugh. I'm loath to say that. Very sexist take, but Whoa. they got Yoko ono man. Uh so no longer exists. Um uh, but his other band, Purification, which has been around a little bit longer, they have four albums. Their newest album just came out last month. So if you want to check them out on Bandcamp, so it's Purification, just the word purification. Uh, it's mostly Fuck just Calvin yeah. and his friend Rainbow. They go by their names. I think Calvin's name. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Calvin's name for the the band is Lord Dunangato Resurrected, uh, and then his friend Rainbow's name is is Grand Marshal Something. I don't know. Marshal Something. Okay. okay. But uh, it's good. It's like I asked him. We actually hung out last night because we uh, we haven't seen him in forever. And we uh, played a new little tabletop RPG. It's not like a tabletop per se, but it's like it's an RPG game called Kids on Bikes, uh, which is like kind of. You create your own town in high school and stuff. It's supposed to be kind of like a Stranger Things vibe. It can be set in any decade between like the 60s and the 90s. Um, and you make your own mm. character and you kind of go on weird sci-fi adventures. So immediately it was like, I'm going to do all Buffy plots. I'm going to do Buffy everything. Uh, but I was shouted down a little bit. So, um, But yeah, it, it was really fun. So we played that. But yeah, Purification, uh, he gave me... They had a limited run of their second album, um, which I did not write down. But uh, Bandcamp will be your friend there. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is it? I got it up here. Something. Destruction of the yeah. Wicked. They had a limited run. A Chinese record label actually printed their Whoa. vinyls for them. Yeah. It's just, it's so weird. He's telling me all this stuff. Calvin's such a funny guy because he's like telling me all this really cool stuff. They're, they're actually got signed to a German label too. Um, not too, but so there's a Chinese record label. Yeah, i I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Whatever, yeah. Yes. A Chinese record label distributed their second album, Destruction of the Wicked. Um, I'm trying to find the name of the label, but I can't find it. It's really weird. Anyway, uh, but they got signed to a German record label to do their most recent album, which is called "The Exterminating Angel." If I didn't say that before, and they are slated to go to a couple festivals in December if everything goes Whoa. like goes according to plan, yeah. and they have the festival, so. Uh, pretty awesome, Great. but he's, like, so nonchalant and, like, not... I was like, dude, do you have your stuff on Spotify? Which, by, you know, if anyone listening wants to w- listen to Purification, they can go to Spotify and search Purification, and there are, like, three tracks from all their albums, which is something I've seen other bands do, and I was like, dude, why don't you just have all your stuff up there? It's like, I don't know, Rainbow doesn't really want to do that. And, like, I get it, right? Like, you want people to go to your band camp so they actually pay for your music at Spotify. You don't really super get paid, right? So, I get right. that, but on the other hand, it's like, more people... Might come to your stuff, which means in the long run, more. You know, if if you want money, that might translate to more money because you have more listeners. But whatever. So there are some of their stuff is on Spotify. If you don't want to go to Bandcamp, but you can totally go to Bandcamp too. Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, we are uh, we might be doing some festivals in Germany. Uh, yeah, we've got like you know a couple thousand people. Yeah, we got signed to a record label, and I was just like, calvin what the fuck, man. Like, and I was like, I where's your it's YouTube just... channel? He's like, well, we don't have a YouTube channel, but we do have music videos. I was like, what the fuck, dude? I didn't know you had well, music videos. They? <laughs> <laughs> and, but they don't have a YouTube channel, so it's hosted by some random German sure. guy, Mr. Doom sure, 666 sure, sure. or something, that just collects random metal videos. That's the only way to watch their shit. I was like, what are you doing? Get on Spotify right now. Make an actual YouTube channel. What is wrong with you? They're here
0: for the art. They're here I for know, the art, They're not here for... In Calvin would be, which is great. I Man, I miss Calvin. I but want when you
1: come, you can come like join our town and uh, kids ride bikes or whatever. Kids with bikes. Oh, I love that. Yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah, we will definitely do that. Oh, anyway, purification. That I
1: asked him what the genre of music that they would say that they play, and he was like, you know, just kind of like classic metal, metal. And I would say, yeah, kind of. They're a little Black Sabbathy for sure. I was trying to like pin it. I was okay. like, so you know, it's like kind of slower, sludgy. stuff. He's like, well, it's not sludge, and I was like, okay, I'm out of my depth here. But they, their musicality is is really good, and I was impressed and. Purification, long story short, check out Purification. Uh, TV real quick, Two Weeks to Live, which stars Maisie Williams from the show that will not be named and Sean Clifford who was uh, in Fleabag, you know, the older sister that's like totally whatever with the... Sean, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so they're both in that. It's about uh, Maisie Williams who was like 20 or whatever, whatever she is. She's the age in the show, basically who's lived with her mom off the grid for most of her life. She goes into the town because she wants to experience. It's like Rumspringer. She's having a mini Rumspringer to like check mm-hmm. out the world. Uh, yeah. and then crazy things happen. Uh, she's also going to like avenge her father's death. Very cool. Only six episodes. It's on HBO max. Really good. Uh, we watched the flight attendant, which has Kaylee Cuoco, whatever her name from uh, big bang theory. What's it. Really mm-hmm. good. It's based on a book, I believe. Um, And it's about a flight attendant who gets caught up in a murder scandal thing. And it's it actually was really, really good. And um,
0: yeah, people said that's great. Yeah.
1: Shosh from girls. Shoshana from girls. She's in it too. Very good show. Uh, It was only eight episodes for the season. So killed that. Uh, I started making Station watch happy endings. She's very into it. So we're watching that here and there. That's our new like half hour comedy moment. Great. Uh, as usual. The best, the best. I watched a documentary about Muscle Shoals. I think it's just called Muscle Shoals. Um, so that was, you know, after I watched my Wrecking Crew documentary, I was like time to watch Muscle Shoals. Um, it, was, it, was, it was really good. The guy who started Fame Recordings, which is like the recording studio yep. that everybody played at in Muscle Shoals, Rick Hall, his life story is so fucking sad. Like when he was a little really? kid, his infant brother... Um, fell back. He was like two and a half or three. Fell backwards into a uh, pit of boiling water, like a bin of boiling water that his mom was doing laundry on, and died. Uh, then his mom, shortly thereafter, left their family and became a prostitute. Um, his dad, who kept their family together on their like, four, he was poor, super poor. Oh yeah. And then when he was 18, he got married to this girl, or the girl was 18, whatever. His first marriage, uh, she died in a car crash that they were both in. He lived. She died. And then later in his life, his dad, who had taken care of him and the rest of his family on the small farm, he all he wanted to do, since he made some money, was take care of his dad. So he bought his dad a brand new tractor. The tractor flipped over and killed his dad. It's just, like, all this shit. It's, like, unfucking believable this guy's life story. But, yeah, so he... Oh. All He was just like narrow-minded. He's like, I'm going to fucking make... He lived in his car for a long time. He's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to fucking make this recording studio, and I'm going to make the best records in the world. I'm going to fucking do and it. And he fucking did. So did. Yeah, like, think yeah. of any good music that came out of the South, but even music acts from all over the place, all over the world. The Rolling Stones recorded there. Millions of millions of people yep. were fucking... Record- not millions, but a... <laughs> Millions and Look millions of she. dollars, millions and millions of best-selling <laughs> records. Like that's what you yeah, meant man. to they, say.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely worth watching. Um, the studio band called the Swampers, which if you ever, if you remember from Sweet Home Alabama, from Good Old Leonard Skinner, there's a line in that song where he says, "Well, Muscle Shoals has got the Swampers." That's oh, wow. the recording band from fame studios and they were like it man anybody wanted that dirty South sound that like kind of soulful sound everybody assumed that they were a group of black musicians and then when they got there they're like oh shit it's <laughs> so like this weird group of white guys oh, okay but like that was the sound something about the room you know people all that stuff people say about these magical places and times sure so what everybody said about well, that it's your Dave and eventually like with the swampers
0: his, his soundboard yeah yeah, yeah yeah sound he, city he, yep. yeah
1: yeah yeah so uh, eventually the Swampers left Rick Hall and it was like a big thing and mm. they started their own recording studio, like basically across the street. That's right. So that's like what Bob thing. did.
0: I think that's what Bob used because, yeah, he didn't use Fame Recording for Slow Drink Coming, but he recorded with the Muscle Shoals Band, which I yeah. want to say was the alternative to Rick Hall and them. So, yeah, did they mention Bob at all down there at all? N- no, there didn't? was. Because he a wasn't part- at Fame, so.
1: Yeah, well, there was a part. Well, they they talk about both. They talk about I can't remember the name of the other. I think it was just called Muscle Shoals, whatever. I can't remember what it was called. But they talk about all of it. But there's a a, a quick montage of like two minutes right at the end where they're just flipping through all the record covers of people who have recorded there. And I saw Bob like twice because he had like saved or like it was some of the Christian periods. Yeah, he heard.
0: did that and saved and or and Schluter and Cummins were both right.
1: Yeah. We're both so, there. But that was it. Yeah, no, he was not definitely not really featured in it. Uh, Alicia Keys was in it for a minute and she plays at the very end recording in, in the room, which is pretty neat. Um but yeah, great documentary. I, I think I watched it on like the Roku channel or something. You can definitely find it for free on like Tubi or, or whatever. Uh worth watching. It was I I don't think it was as good as um the Wrecking Crew for sure, because it was mostly just at some point it becomes a list, right? Of like and then Aretha recorded here and then they said record and it's like, how interesting is that? But um just the guy's life story and just the, the draw of that place was pretty
0: cool. And the wrecking crew I, I found on YouTube. So it's queued up for me to watch. So you can watch it there, the full, nice. full documentary there as well. So that is there. Yeah. This is the Muscle Shoals sound studio. That's where they recorded. So yeah, it's a four uh, session musicians, the, of the Muscle Shoals rhythm section right. affectionately yeah. called the swampers who left Rickalls' nearby fam studio in Muscle Shoals to create their own facility. Yep. They moved away in 79 and then Bob, came in 79. So yep. he's probably one of the first people that worked with them. I gotcha. Yeah. That actual, that their place, I'm sure fame is, is the same, but they're on the national register of historic places in 2006. So thirty six fourteen Jackson highway. If you're down in muscle shoals, Alabama, will Alabama,
1: Alabama.
0: Yep. Alabama. Um, I listened to, I've been listening to a lot of just like, uh, compilations of songs. So not a lot of records. Um, It's been nice. It's been nice to listen to my yearly playlists. And I've been doing a lot of reading. So I've been reading, I've been listening to a lot of like um, Calm Before the Storm is a Spotify playlist. That's like a lot of, you know, rock that's, you know, Explosions of the Sky, God is an Astronaut, all of those bands, you know, anything without lyrics. So I've been enjoying that a lot. Um, A couple bands, The Descendants, came out with a new, quote unquote, new album called Night and Walnut. Pretty cool. Um, You know, famously, everybody knows Milo Goes to College. Right. Uh, from back in 1982. That was like the last Descendants record for a long time. Um, they actually recorded songs before and after that. And they went in the year 2002 with the original band because the band original band broke up after that because Milo went to college and became a biochemistry. You know, that was his career. Um, and they uh, got together in 2002 and they, as the original band and recorded a lot of their, early, those songs, which I thought was really cool. Cause some of the songs have a little bit of problematic stuff in them. You're kind of like, Oh, you wouldn't write that today. So I think that they tried to be like as faithful to mm-hmm. the lyrics of the songs from that time period. And they re-recorded a couple of like early seven inches as well, um, which are, which is pretty cool. Cause they sound exactly the same, but just really good quality. And they finished it in 2020. Um, so, you know, it's it sounds really good. So it's this weird thing where, you know, everything sounds really current, but it's this old version of The Descendants that doesn't really exist anymore. So that's pretty cool. Um, you mentioned it already, but I listened to the first, I watched two, two movies. One of them you mentioned is Bo Burnham's Inside. Yep. I enjoyed it a lot. I want to say that. I really, really liked it. Um, but I thought when you said Bo Burnham, and this whole time, I thought that it was Jeff Dunham.
1: Oh my God.
0: I didn't I didn't know who Bo Burnham was. And now it's so funny because I'm like obviously I went back. Once I once I thought about all of this, I was like, Bo Burnham, yes, he's the guy. I've seen him on Comedy Central before. I've never watched any of his stuff. I think it was a little bit too old for it or something. Or I just wasn't into comedy like that. I remember he's the song guy. I know all of that. He was also in Parks and Rec. Fucking yeah. didn't yeah. even yeah. register oh, yeah. to me. I wanna say I really enjoyed this. I really loved it. Um, you know, all eyes on me is like fucking fire. And, you know, hearing that over and over again on TikTok, having it contextualized, having it with there where he's like, his eyes are looking right at you. I thought was fucking awesome. The canned laughter was fucking scary. Well,
1: go watch words. Words uh, was 2017, I think, uh, on Netflix. That was his last special. So it's on Netflix. Yeah, I really liked words.
0: it. And the second one I watched, Kelly, which I, you definitely need to watch. It just came out. But I would love to hear your take on it uh, at some point is Woodstock 99 peace, love and rage. Yeah. I saw that you watched it
1: on HBO. I really want to watch that.
0: And it's really like, I listened to the Spotify who also made this, um, the ringer films made this, but the ringer podcast (laughs) network made an eight episode arc on this. Stephen Hyden. I want to say friend of the pod, but that's probably not allowed. He does follow this podcast, but he, he produced the whole, he wrote a lot of it and he's in the documentary as well. And he follows us Kelly. So when you see him, give him a, give him a little shout. Um, anyways, uh, it was really great. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward telling of stuff, but I just, I remember I was watching it with grandma and grandma vaguely remembered the fires and kind of like the general chaos of it all. But I was like, grandma, I was only 12 in 1999, but I feel like I could have been, I was so close to being this person. Like I was the person being advertised to, to be this angry frat boy. Oh yeah. You know, they, they spend a lot of time like the podcast talking about sexual assault all the women being groped, all the fires, the f- rape frat boy energy, um, which wasn't everybody, but certainly was enough. And it, and this documentary was great. All this found footage, man, they use it uh, to to great effect where there's moments where they're like tearing down the peace, love and harmony murals that they put up beforehand. And, you know, you have people that are just like. This is what we're going to be fucking remembered for. Like this type of shit. You know, like people were embarrassed at the time for all those frat boys like burning this place to the ground. Well, yeah. And you know, for me, I didn't really know. In my head, I always thought it was Limp Biscuit and then Red Hot Chili Peppers and then like the fire ended everything, but that's not true. Limp Biscuit was a day before. The Chili Peppers weren't even the last band. Megadeth is the one that closes the show, which like Megadeth. Megadeth closes the show, uh which was which was amazing. And the fire crews actually came in put out the fires. And, and and there's a moment where the guy is like, uh, one of the guys he's like, I never thought I would be involved in a riot, you know, but but they did. They rioted. They stole all the shit, uh, went into all the booths, stole all these things that they were being gouged. That's the other thing, too. Water was four dollars. Food was even more expensive. And these people are like, we're just poor kids, you know. So there's an element of that. But one of the people being interviewed said, you want to know white privilege? It's if we were black in 2020, they would have fucking murdered us all for for tearing down the sound speakers and lighting fires like are you kidding me like i got to walk out of there with right next to the cops who didn't try to arrest me didn't try to take things from my hands and you know the whole time watching it too you're just like these people are 45 50 years old now these people are they either have a chance to be cool or they're all trump supporters and probably storm the fucking capital you know what i mean like how do you get involved in a riot it's something that just kind of happens not to spoil it and there's not really any spoilers but the people that put on the show they blamed it all on mtv (laughs) and called Mm -hmm. it mtv stock and it's like and you know at this point i kind of i I remember growing up i thought i hated fred durst because i thought he was part of this whole thing too but i have i've i don't think that at all now i'm like This, this was a powder kick that was going to go off. And like Fred Durst, yeah, but he was also a limp, he was performing limp biscuit. Like I don't, you cannot be mad at them for fucking performing the show. Like you want him to not do this stuff, but like why hire him then? Like you weren't prepared. That's your problem. And so all the sexual assaults that happened, the fucking promoters in the end, they say, I've never seen More tit, and they do a great, like, deep dive on that, like, girls gone wild culture and just like all of these, again, frat boy energy. And they, and the guys, the fucking dudes who put it on were like, you wouldn't believe it, but they fucking are like, I've never seen so many, like, naked, topless girls. Yeah. They are the ones to blame for being groped. (laughs) The camera just lingers on them. And it's like, really? You really just said that? In 20-fucking-21, 20 it's wild. So to have them on fucking camera, just being like, they deserved it all. And then and everybody that they had talking as a talking head, Stephen Hyden, Wesley Morris, so many people were fucking great. Uh, and then, unfortunately, you had people like, I mean, Jules on it. Jewel played there. Moby's on there. You'd think Moby wouldn't have much to say. Moby doesn't have a lot to say, but he, you know, there are moments where Moby, I think, is on, is on point too. But anyways, I just want to know what you think when you do watch it because oh, I think we gonna, were primed yeah. for this. And I got to say, watching, like, I sang break stuff for the first time in like 15 years. So that was really fun, but watching Limp Biscuit perform and especially watching Corn. It is mesmerizing. The crowd is like a fucking wave. It is one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen. And Jonathan Davis is on there and he talks about my soul left my body. I don't even remember performing after seeing the crowd and watching the crowd from his vantage point. I. It's got to be a career highlight for him. I can't oh, imagine yeah. topping 350,000 people. just. And he said, you saw how sound traveled because there were three different sound stations. It was so big. There were 400,000 people there. So you watch Jesus. as as people all the way in the back were reacting to your voice after the people. And it's fucking... You can see it. It's so... Good. I gotta say. And the whole thing I kept thinking too was like, can this happen today? They, they, they compare it with Coachella, which started in 99, a couple of months after this. And Coachella obviously continues Woodstock, which I, which I think is, is a grift at this point. Those guys are grifters and they're just using the name for no reason. And they don't want any responsibility for anything that goes wrong. I think that we're so diverse in the type of music we listen to that I don't think we'd ever have. I mean, imagine a bill with Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica back to back to back. That alone is one of the would be one of the biggest shows in 1999. Oh, period. Yeah. And that's just one night. That's too much. That's just too much. You know what that's I mean? It's too lot. much. That's a you lot. You gotta like though. That's three, three people to like. You gotta, you gotta force them apart. I think because one of the people that they followed died um, during the a couple people died, you know, at the show. So it's wild. I'm not
1: surprised. I, I'm. I'm surprised that there wasn't more than three deaths like that seems low,
0: yeah, yeah did you ever i mean we were too young for that for me, it was all just like lore. did you ever like think about ninety nine or was that a big thing for you at all?
1: yeah, so definitely we're just a little bit too young, but I was absolutely a student of the v h one uh recap yeah. clip shows i mean i like sure I spent a lot of my childhood watching m t v dissect itself. After the fact, yeah, uh, uh, on video, you know. So I like I certainly remember the clips. The '94, uh and I think because th- this was absolutely intentional, the '94 Woodstock is the one they they would constantly cut to because it's fun mud throwing. Uh You know, we've got that amazing nine inch nail performance and just like uh, all that Green kind Day of st- famously uh, yeah. got
0: all the mud too. Yeah. yeah. So
1: it's just like it, that's the one that they would always anytime you're like talking about Woodstock whatever they would cut to. They they really kind of swept it under the rug. My biggest. Thing i remember about that was not actually the woodstock thing but it was uh god i can't remember his fucking name the guy from beastie boys uh anyway him going up to accept his vma from probably hmm. for probably intergalactic because that would have been 2000 intergalactic planetary you know and going up and being like because of kathleen hannah which i learned from the punk singer which was a documentary about her that came out in 2013 i think um she told him, if you go up there, you got to say some shit about what happened at Woodstock. And she, he did because of her. And he said, uh, we need to talk about and do something about all the rape and sexual assault that happened at fucking Woodstock uh, because nobody's talking about it. Um, so obviously, like he got a lot of press and attention for that, even though it was Kathleen Hanna, of course, that made him do it in the first place. But uh, yeah. The, well, so and that's, that's part of
0: the documentary, too. He's in the documentary. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's... Yeah, they mentioned just Riot Girl and Nirvana and punk and all of that. And like that, the currents were there for this type of thing. Even the Beastie Boys, the biggest selling artists at the time in like the, the 80s, went back on their own misogyny and they right. they re- revised what was going on because of moments like this. Yeah. So they were, that was already starting to change as this thing happened. And yeah, there were, even the offspring alive at the show, they were the only ones to be like, hey, I know we're all having fun and stuff, but like, you got to, Fucking stop groping the women. No. Oh, you know, nice. and they were like, you know, if you're and if you're a woman going in and you start feeling people, man, try to fucking punch them in the nuts, dude. Like everybody needs to and I was telling my grandma, I was like, Man, I've seen videos of people uh jumping down from the stage to punch people. Jeff Rosensack has stopped the show before that I went yeah. to because he was like, Fuck this, fuck you, stop doing this. You know, and it's been called out so many times on the stage, usually by a drunk guy, or it's like, hey, everybody, stop the show. And it's like point to that guy. It's like, get that guy out of here. Mm. And that's cool. And I was like, again, 20 years have gone by. This feels like a relic. I mean, that's the other thing I I felt when I was watching this. I don't feel an ounce of nostalgia for this. I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything when I watch Break Stuff. I don't feel anything when I watch Corn, Chili Peppers, any of it. I don't I just don't care. I feel nothing. I feel so numb. I'll
1: definitely not. I will have a, an absolutely different take. I, I think the corn performance is going to be really exciting to watch.
0: No, cool, cool. But you know, I don't, I don't pine for this moment again. That's what I mean. Oh like, yeah, I don't yeah, okay. want a world where yeah. corn exists and like I can't. No, no, no. Like I, it's all so gone to me. All of this is so in the past. It's a tough. It's a tough watch, but I highly recommend it, Kelly. I think you'll really, really. really oh,
1: I'm absolutely. Gonna it. Watch the
0: performances that. are really cool. Yes. So that is out now, as well we we'll that's it for me all right kelly we are done but with...
1: are we done are we really
0: done? oh done with the whole uh, the show the end of the series uh no we are done with music video month though this is it uh august is closing down around us and we are going to be taking a little bit of a break kelly you are going off to hawaii your mom is coming to oregon i am leaving the barn in south dakota in a couple of weeks as well. And then I'll be out there. We'll be hanging out. So I'm sure we'll do some fun stuff, watch some stuff, do some episodes, but I'm thinking of what to do with the next episode. Kelly, normally I would have you pull up our sheet and you would give me some random words, but I think we agreed to, since we're going to be off for about a month or so to just do a, do an album. We haven't done an album yet.
1: Oh God, that's right.
0: Because well, instead of uh, making it something brand new that we haven't done, I want to celebrate the newest bootleg series, Volume 16, that's coming out in September, which is called Springtime in New York, 1980 to 1985, I believe. That is taking Bob Dylan's uh, Shot of Love outtakes. We've done Shot of Love. Taking Empire Burlesque outtakes. We've done Empire Burlesque. And Infidel, uh, famously, the most famous of all of those, are the Infidel outtakes from the album that could have been. And we have never... I mean, we've done four songs, half of Infidels, but we have not listened to all of Infidels. So I think episode 136, we are going to go and listen to all of Infidels. Uh, Kelly, have fun in Hawaii. Don't get sucked into a volcano.
1: I will not do that either. Okay,
0: good. And I will see you in October in Portland, Oregon. Very excited. Yeah. Very excited. So we're going to celebrate... And uh, we'll see you next time for, for Infidels, everybody. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. You know what they say about being nasty people on the way up? Sooner later you might meet him coming down. But it's too late to bring him back. Too late, too late, too late, too late, too late, too late to bring him back.